0: The Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role playing games. Hello and welcome to On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role player gamers and the gaming, the game, game, game. My name is Rana Vira. And I am Ori Lifshitz. Pleasure to meet you guys. And today we'll be discussing something that I think most role players, most GMs, but many players as well, have been thinking about and probably doing for the past decades, decades, ever since Towers came out. <laughs> Wanting to play in established canons, in established games, worlds, whatever, and how to actually make your game feel like whatever it is, whatever Story that you're so in- enchanted by, that you want to recreate in your game. It's a huge topic. We'll be giving, I think,
1: just the s-
0: tip of the iceberg, the surface tip of the, of the yeah.
1: barest minimum eagle's eye view. Exactly. <laughs> but we'll yep.
0: try to to discuss everything, every major aspect that should be considered, and some thoughts about how to consider it, because it's a very tricky subject. If you've ever tried to run a game in established world you probably have encountered many of the problems we'll be discussing because it it's it's hard to do it right it's simply it, difficult it is
1: hard it's yes. very difficult i have played in tolkien's lord of the rings in uh, forgotten realms in dnd most of the D&D official uh, game settings uh, we've played me and you in uh, Marvel slash DC universes, and both of them combine. We have played Star Wars together. We have played in many, many different canons and established settings. But just a quick word of warning. Unofficially, I'm going to call this episode, <laughs> How Can I Make My Game Feel Like Star Wars? Yes. Because I've just seen the new Star Wars. That's what I'm going to do, but... No spoilers, so you can continue listening. Yes,
0: we will, however, discuss the earlier Star Wars because, again, as I mentioned before, it's it's just such a big deal that I'm not sure if everyone listening to us would like to play in Star Wars specifically, but you all know Star Wars, so we will be using that, I think, as the main example anyway. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the first question, I think. Why would you want to play in a known setting? And we mean the why that is beyond the I just feel like I really want to. But what what are the reasons, actual reasons that as a game designer and whenever you sit down and create a or game player. Yes, exactly. You you design the game. What what makes you want to play? So Uri.
1: Well, first of all, reason number one, you know and love the world and the setting and the metaphysics and everything that's in it. I love the idea of lightsabers. I love the idea of an ancient order of Jedi's out to save the galaxy by Ruining the balance and killing all the evil guys and blah, blah, blah. That's, there is something about this world which you find fascinating. It could be a fantasy setting. It could be a futuristic setting, but you're saying, okay, there's a lot of different concepts in this world which fit together nicely.
0: I think that the main thing that you said, I think your key word was known. I know this world. I mm-hmm. can now nerd, geek out about it like crazy. And that makes me, that familiarity is a thing that I'm looking for. It's, a, it's such a strange thing. We enjoy new things, you and me, so very mm-hmm. much. And yet, playing with the familiar is always so much fun. So returning to the walls that we love, which is one of the reasons we even go and watch the new Star Wars, of
1: course, uh, is, is a big pull by itself. Yeah, but before moving on, I want to expand on that even a bit more because once you really know a world and the setting and the metaphysics of that world, you can be surprised. Something that is very, very hard to do inside an unknown setting. I, I used to run a game, a campaign, in a biblical setting, and all my players knew the world and the rules of it and the location because we all knew that specific a biblical reference in the time in which we played. And when something was different from the original story, people people raised an eyebrow. In, in a different game, I ran a game based on the life of Jesus, for example. And when things did not go according to the original story, people raised an eyebrow. It was intentional, of course, in order to get a certain reaction from the players, But that tension between the known and the surprising is very much present in a known canon. I agree. Reason number two, of course, maybe you want to explore ideas or concept or characters from the main setting, which you feel were left out or deserve more screen time. Yep. Excellent example is always uh, Boba Fett. Yes. A, a character that speaks, I, I, what, 18 words throughout the whole. He speaks. The whole, the whole I don't, trilogy. I don't,
0: I don't remember Papa Fett speaking at all in Star Wars, but may, maybe, he, I don't know.
1: I, I count hand gestures. But but people really <laughs> like him.
0: And, and yeah. that's, that's a great way of seeing him again and maybe encountering him and maybe exploring him a bit more in a role playing game. Yeah.
1: Definitely. And maybe, just maybe, not necessarily talking about the Star Wars prequels. Maybe you just think, hey, maybe me and my players rolling things randomly could make a better plot than what happened in the original setting. Yes. Maybe? Yes. Maybe?
0: Yes. I mean, that's, that's a tricky subject, however, what you just raised, because when you say different plots, it really depends on, wait, are we playing different characters? Wait, are we playing the heroes? Are we playing mm. in an alternate universe? What is the relation between our game and the canon? And that's a huge question. And we will get to it in a moment. But first, before, I think, it's important to speak a bit about how to get the feel of the setting,
1: which is the subject of our episode. But still, I say it's, a big, it's a big thing. It is a big thing. And we're not going to cover all of it. We're just going to take the barest minor thing, which I feel are the necessities The bare necessities, if you will, for making your game feel like the setting you've chosen. And I think the key to that is simply to take the tropes of a specific setting.
0: A trope is sort of like a concept, an idea, a way of doing things, a style, uh, even an item, even a plot device, even an archetype of a character that tends to repeat in specific ways in specific genres or in specific works of fiction in general in a way that is well known and not necessarily clichéd clichéd all, all clichés are tropes but not all tropes are clichéd um having your father as the evil revealed as the main big evil guy is a trope <gasps> it's also it's also a cliché one of the reasons is that Star Wars was such a big success that now it's a, it's a cliché. Whenever such a thing happens, everyone thinks about Vader and um, Luke. Luke. But that doesn't have to be the case. It wasn't the case before Star Wars. It wasn't a cliché. It was just a trope. Because, again, it's a thing that is, for example, has been happening throughout mythology and throughout plays during the whole of history. And it was always a thing revealing that the main villain is actually a family member. It's a thing. We will put a link to TV Tropes in our show notes, but I am guessing most of you already know it. Maybe we're linked into it from somewhere because it's the Bible of fiction. It's an effort to list all the tropes of every fictional work ever, basically. And that means they categorized most tropes that you can even think of. Uh, that's a great place to start. Go to the page of the whatever fiction you are trying to imitate. Imitate is not the right word. Get the feel off. Read the tropes. Get the main ones. Understand which tropes there are, the tropes that are the basic, the skeleton for the entire thing, and make sure that you keep them in your game. That, by the way, I think, should be like the light of a lighthouse guiding you to the right system to choose for the game. Tropes are a thing that tell you what rules to use.
1: Yep, definitely. That's the mold from which you want to create your own version of the specific setting based on the trope of it. If we'll take Star Wars, just a random thing that pops in my yes, yes, yes. Just random, random. Uh, as an example, consider these tropes. The heroes of all Star Wars movies are usually rebels or scum of some sort. They're spies, criminal rebels, smugglers, mercenaries, etc. Mm-hmm. People on you, the you fringes
0: of society.
1: Yep. some Someone from the underswept part of society. Yes. Um, and which kind of leads to the second trope, which I'm talking about, that everything is dirty and mechanical. Yes. You know, tropes are also... A form of aesthetics. Yes, yes, yes.
0: This is, by the way, is called in T.V. tropes um, used future. I mean, they have starships, but most of the starships look like they are used. They've, they've, <laughs> I mean, the Millennium Falcon—that piece of junk—that's the, the the first thing Luke says about it, and that's exactly the way that it looks. It looks like it's it's old. It's secondhand. It's oh. maybe seventh hand, something like that.
1: Yep, and. Also there's the opposite of it whenever you have something clean with a slick design chrome plated etc it belongs to the villains yes consider the death star how very a perfect round with the dish pulling out imagine the stormtrooper uniform exactly imagine the TIE fighters.
0: Now, this, these are the sort of things that you should put into game, not only by describing visually, but, but also by having them in play in some, some relevant way. Like, for example, the Millennium Falcon should be a shitty ship. She, she, she runs well. <laughs> she, she's very fast, but there are all sorts of holes in it. And when she gets like two or three shots at it and without shields, she's starting to, to crumble all over. Um, this should be reflected in in her toughness score or whatever it is that she has.
1: Yep. If if whatever is your equipment is, you don't need to you know manually clean it and fix it, and it's not leaking anyway, it it won't feel like Star Wars. <laughs> yes. For me, at least. Uh, another place where they did it amazingly well is Battlestar Galactica. Mm. If you would notice, everything the human have has a very submarine like feel to it. All the ships, they all have a lot of very manual controls, very levers to pull and things to twist and turn. Unlike, of course, the other side, which is all very slick and well-designed.
0: And and has a very organic feel to it. Yep.
1: The, the, the robots have an organic feel, which is fine, nice, cool. Uh, <gasps> going on with tropes, the plot of Star Wars doesn't happen on major cities and major systems. Everything is on the outback, on the rim, on the, uh, like we said, on the whole plot of Star Wars take place in the armpit of society. And that's something very important to bear in mind. In that sense, it's a lot like Cowboy Bebop, the, the TV, the famous anime TV show. Everything happens in the slums, so to speak, of the galaxy. And we can go on and on and on about tropes of Star Wars. But tropes are not everything. You also have themes. Themes are recurring things and motifs that happen throughout the game. And are considered the the larger issues of your game. Yes, what your game is about. Yep. And if you want to keep going with the Star Wars themes... It should be about family ties, it should be about trust and betrayal, good versus evil or order versus chaos. And notice that usually the chaos is the good guys and trying to establish order is what the bad guys do. We're talking about the new replacing the old and how there's a constant struggle between whatever is new to erase what came beforehand and maybe take and subvert it into its own use. We're getting rid of the Jedis in order to bring this new empire to be. Uh, But we're still using Jedis, or people training in the Jedi art, so to speak, in order to achieve that. Again, these themes should reappear in your game, if you want to give it that, shall we say, dirty and down-to-earth Star Wars feel to it. And it really doesn't matter... If this is Star Wars or anything else, if you won't take the tropes and the themes of your setting, you would simply be playing a different game, which happened to be to in. Be. Yes. yes. Let us
0: continue then to some specifics. We were talking in the general. Now let us discuss specifics. Like, for example, Uri, where and when we'll be injecting our game into the noun setting for example, let's, start, let's take Star Wars. There are, there, there's quite a lot of Star Wars to talk about. So where should we begin? Where, where does the game begin? Does it begin with the first movie? Does it begin at the start of the third movie? Uh, at the Sarlacc pit? <laughs> does it, where, where does it begin? At, what, at which point? And why?
1: We have a whole bunch of ideas where to inject your story into the known setting you can go with an alternative history, which is an amazing, amazing concept to explore in a game. Like, what would happen if... I I think it was uh, Dasi, your wife's idea. What would happen if, indeed, Luke would join his father and together they will rule the galaxy... As father and son.
0: Mm-hmm. That was the game that she wanted to play, which, by the way, uh, made us record this episode in this original Hebrew version, like, several years ago. And she ran the game after that, and it was excellent,
1: amazing. You can play a side quest or a side character in the central story, much like the way that they build Rogue One. Rogue One is a side quest inside the central story of the largest Star Wars plotline. Another idea is you can play in the distant past or the distant future of that, which is kind of like how they created the prequel and the, the new movies that we are seeing now. Simply, okay, we, we have this plotline, which is awesome. We're not going to touch it. We're going to run our game before that or way after that. Cool. And of course, you can do it in the same time as the main storyline, but far away from that main plot takes place. Um, Which is quite similar to what we said with Rogue One, but you can simply be unrelated to that thing. You can be in a whole different place fighting a merchant guild, which has nothing to do with the Empire, but still in the same world during that big war against the rebel scums. And each one of these ideas have very distinctive advantages and disadvantages. And I think the reason why you would pick one of them should be the answer to what are you trying to do with your game. If you want to explore how different choices in the plotline would affect the world, go with alternative history. If you just love the world, make a game inside that far away from where the main plot takes place, because that's not what you like. You like the world and the setting itself. If you like the story itself, play the side quest. Play other characters that maybe interact with the main characters which you like. If you like to see how things would progress after that main storyline, play the game in the distant future. If you want to see how things might have come to this state, play in the distant past. The question is, what would interest you to explore in this setting?
0: Now, I want to give some things that everyone, I think, should consider when, well, along with everything you've just said. First, there's the question of maintaining a balance between enjoying the verse, which is the setting, the experience of the known within it, and not being overrun by the rigidity of canon. Like, for example, let's say I'm playing a side quest, which you just mentioned, and it is happening alongside... Well, it's in Cloud City, in the middle of Empire Strikes Back, and the Empire is there, and Darth Vader is there. Now, what am I supposed to do if the players go and meet Darth Vader and kill him? I mean... That's that's not canon, right? That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. But I needed the story to continue because I wanted to play a side quest. Now, of course, I would say in the first place, don't don't place them in Cloud City. Don't, don't place your heroes anywhere near the protagonist. But maybe you want to place them then because you want them to experience NPC interactions with the main protagonist of the story because it's awesome. Well, good for you. Find a place in the middle. Always consider how important it is for you and for everyone else at the table to stay faithful to the canon and how cool are you all with the possibility of changing it and how far. It is really important, I think, in these types of games to establish this from the get-go, from the zeroth session. Guys, we are going to play a game in the Star Wars universe. You are going to encounter the NPCs, the main guys all around but you are not going to be them nor are you able to change the main events the things are still going to happen you are there to experience things that happen around it is it cool with you guys are you cool with that? yes excellent
1: yeah we're gonna expand on that a bit in, in a moment
0: oh yes 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 when you go to the alternate history routes i think it's very interesting prospect because it allows you to tell the same story while it's not the same story if you want to play the whole of Star Wars from the start to the finish, you can start with, okay, Luke died by uh, the stormtroopers when they came and, and raided his aunt and uncle's uh, house, farm. Sorry, it's a farm in the middle of the desert, yes, sure. And and that's <laughs> the place where the heroes, our heroes, our our players enter the game instead and we continue from this point forward exactly like in the movies only you know things change because our heroes we don't we don't really know what they'll do but the players know what are going what is going to happen and that's a lot of fun also because you've just changed a thing it's more okay you give sort of permission to the players at the gym, to everyone to keep changing things because from now on it's not the same universe You don't need to keep to canon. Uh, It's fine. Darth Vader's left hand was the one that is uh, robotic and destroyed, not the right one. Or the other way around, I have no idea. Uh, Because it's not the same universe. It's not the same place. It's fine. Don't don't fret about the minor details that we all geek out about in this version of history, because it doesn't matter here. Okay, let's just enjoy the story. Also, a matter to think about is where the point of divergence is versus the point of the starting of the game. Where, where do you actually begin versus where history changed? Like, let's say, for example, um, Luke Skywalker agreed to go with Darth Vader, and together they rule the galaxy as father and son, but the game begins 15 years later. Not at that point. It begins after we already have a chance to see what happened after this divergence, how things changed from that point onward. And by the way, the change itself, while of course it, it might be fun to play it, it's also fun to create it as a GM, I think, because it's pretty simple. You just ask yourself, okay, what what would this change in the next scene that was supposed to happen in the movie? Well, now this doesn't happen. So this happened instead. Okay, next scene, this doesn't happen. This happens instead. Next scene, oh wait, this scene might be m- more interesting if the players were in it. Maybe we'll begin the game here like in the palace of java at the start of the third Mm. movie it's it's a fun exercise i think for gms and world building in general
1: yep and the most important question when you play this is uh, well if that is true what else is true? exactly which is a very good improv tool yes
0: let us continue then uh, again with a specific question who should you play and who shouldn't you play and I think the shouldn't is more important. I don't think you should play the original protagonists. I mean,
1: it's uh, it's the main... Nope, it's, it's- unless, unless what you really want to do is an alternative history thing okay. of, okay, I am playing Han Solo and let's see how things go wrong when I play him.
0: Well, I think the main thing here is to play a version of. Don't try to play the original protagonists because as you once said, Uri... The more established a character is, the less you can give of yourselves into it. It becomes yep. acting instead of playing. You try to behave like Han Solo from the movies. And that might be fun. But when other players or the GM come and say, well, that's not what Han Solo would do. I know him very well. I watched all the movies. I watched them more than you. I've read the comics. Then you find yourself judged on your acting. And that's not what we're here to do. So having a variant version of the heroes is super important, I think. As you said, uh, something changed. And now there was a sort of crisis in the character's life. The thing that changed in history, the divergent point, uh, led to a crisis in Hansel's life. And now he's a different person. And now you play him similar, but different. Or maybe it's uh, the brother of Han Solo, who is similar but different. Maybe it's the clone of Han Solo. And we know there are clones in this world. Don't judge me. (laughs) And and he's similar but different. So you can play all of these things and they're all awesome. Indeed. One other thing you could do, and I would suggest maybe not in Star Wars, but in other places like in Firefly, is to play a group that's, matches the dynamics and archetypes of the source, but the characters are different. For example, if you take Firefly or Star Trek, any series or book or whatever with an ensemble cast, you can replicate the same thing into a different place, change some characters, keep the main dynamics between them, and just run with it, which is basically what a lot of Star Trek series are doing. Like, for example, Star Trek Voyager is... Star Trek, the next generation, but with different characters and a different part of the galaxy. You can do the same. You need a captain. You need a science officer. You need to have someone in the group which is um, inexperienced or goes against the rules or whatever. And you need to put them in the same place and let them ride. And and that works, I think, brilliantly.
1: Yeah, you can also see a very good example for that in the um, Star Wars role-playing game, the latest one. I'm going to yes. expand on uh, different systems yeah. of uh, Star Wars in a minute, but you would see that your classes, so to speak, are kind of similar to the yes, characters. Yes, exactly.
0: the are archetypes. The archetypes from the movie uh, yep. codified into rules that you can play and experience Star Wars in your own, not exactly Millennium Falcon,
1: not exactly Han Solo, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Let us do continue. Woohoo! So, moving on to the question of what is the same and what is different in your game versus the known canon. Because we mentioned it briefly before about, okay, so in this game you can kill Vader, you can, and so on. Your players, the people in the party, know the setting. So, you have to make sure that things which are different in your game rather than the, the canon version... Would be understood by the players. For example, in Star Wars game that doesn't involve Force or Jedi's, you might want to say that in advance. Otherwise, some of your players might be disappointed.
0: They're they expecting. You are saying Star Wars. I'm expecting Jedi. What
1: indeed. do you mean? What
0: do you mean no Jedi? I mean, t- tell me from the get
1: go. Oh, you mean we're Sith? No, no, there's no Force of any kind. <laughs> oh, so wait, wait, wait. What? How, how is this Star Wars? <laughs> Well, apparently you're all low rebel scum who smuggle in a VIP. Oh, is that VIP? He's a Jedi. No, no, (laughs) (laughs) Jedi! Managing expectation is a big part of preventing future disappointments. Yes. So, manage the expectation of your players. And I'm talking like a GM to other GM, but I'm not. So, I want to talk with the players as well. If someone tells you, let's play a Star Wars game, Say something, say like, oh, cool, I would love to play a Jedi among other Jedis. And, you know,
0: talk about that. In a game called Microscope, which is a storytelling game, there's a concept mm. called um, the paletta. Right? Is it Pellet. the palette The palette? Yes, but we we call it the paletta. We, we started calling it <laughs> paletta. And the paletta is very simple, but it's a great way to manage expectations and it should be used with... Imported fiction games like this. It goes like this. Every person say something they would like to see or something they would not like to see in the game. They, you go round and round, everyone says something until no one has anything more to add. And now you have a list of don'ts and maybe do's. The don'ts are don't. If I said, I don't want to see alien in this game, there won't be aliens in this game. If you say, I want to see pyramids in this game, there might be pyramids in this game. And this is a great way to make sure that everyone gets a say to say what is inside and what isn't. And when we are going to play, for example, in Star Wars, we should do the same thing and say, I really want to see Jedi. And then someone else says, I don't want to see Jedi running around the galaxy. Now, maybe don't do it in a list, but do it in a discussion and make sure that each of you raise a topic, at least one, that they would like to see or not see, that is important to them in this canon, and would like to make sure that the game contains or doesn't contain it.
1: So true. I want to take a moment and talk about gaming system, because once you play in a specific canon, you don't always have a specific game system for that specific canon. I mean, Star Wars is special, because Star Wars had three official roleplay systems, inside the Star Wars universe. Now, the first one is Star Wars The Role-Playing Game from West End Games who came out in 1987 yes, and which usually involved D6s. Just D6s. D6s all the way down. The second one was Star Wars Role-Playing Game from Wizard of the Coast. Yeah, yeah. It's a funny story. It came out at at the year 2000. It was a basic adaptation of the D20 system for those who remember that. And, of course, it had this huge upgrade and improvement in uh, 2002. And then the guys at Wizard of the Ghost said, Oh, this is a great system we have. Let's totally change it in 2007. And it was still not the best for playing Star Wars. It did not feel Star Wars in any way. And the third version, which, in my opinion, was the best and still still amazing is Star Wars role-playing game from Fantasy Flight Games, who came out in 2012 and has not stopped winning awards ever since then. The reason I know all that is because last year when Rogue One came out, the Israeli Foundation for Science Fiction and Fantasy asked a bunch of people to give lectures before the movie, and I talk about all the different ways of experiencing Star Wars Except just watching the movies. I'm talking about the t- different TV series and about all the stories and the canons and the books and the comic books and the role playing games and the board games and the video games and the merchandising or just, you know, simply applying to write Jedi as your official religion, which is something you can do, for example, in Canada or New Zealand or Australia or England. In Canada, by the way, in 2011, there were 9,000 people who listed their official religion as Jedi. In New Zealand, it was 20,000. In Australia, 65,000 people at the 2011. Funny stories. People are crazy. But back on topic. Let's talk for a moment about tributes to the original storyline, how to do some referencing and what spoiler warning have to do with that. Now, tributes are awesome. Tributes are a way to show, hey, we all know this story. How awesome is that? We know this setting. That is usually a part of the reason why you're playing in this specific setting. Now, I have a very strict rule about references. I call it Uri's rule of references. Nice. A reference is good if it still works. If someone didn't get the reference, okay, if you have this cool NPC who the party should buy some smuggled cargo from, and that NPC is Han Solo, it still works because if someone doesn't know Han Solo, it still makes sense. They don't feel left out.
0: Because they, they need him as a person that they buy smuggled cargo from. Yep. Yes, he, he has a place in the store. He doesn't just pop up, say, uh, uh, I should first, and goes away.
1: Indeed, make sure your references make sense even if no one get the reference. That's how good works of art are created. Of course, this is all based on my personal experience. If you like a game which is all about references and your, your weekly session is just sitting around the table and quoting lines from The Princess Bride every five minutes, that's awesome if you're enjoying it. However, from uh, someone who wants to build a story and create reliable characters, etc, you should build a world where prior knowledge is not necessarily: Also it's good for, for
0: the players. You're not sure you can never be sure where are your players in the story if they're even into it. Uh, if I'll run a game for someone who knows Towers, but like saw the movies once 10 years ago, they might not even remember who Darth Vader is. Say nothing about where he should be at which point in the movie or how his voice sounds when he said, uh, "Look, I am your father." Yes, that's when he said. He said, "Look, look at that. I am your father." Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I mean they might not know anything, which is imp- why it is important to keep your references in check in such a game.
1: Indeed, which leads us to spoiler warnings. Hmm. Maybe not all your players know the setting as well as you. Maybe. And again, not necessarily for the GM. If you're a player, not your fellow players might not have seen the new movies or know all the facts. Maybe some would like to see the movie or read, read the books if you're playing in something that's based off a novel. And I think it is considered good form to make sure everyone are in the same page or in the know for a certain level of knowledge, but also to make sure where they're not. What don't they know what... Do, maybe they don't want to know. Okay. Okay. I, I think we've gone over a whole lot of stuff here. Yes. And hopefully, if you want to play in Star Wars, I mean in any specific setting, you might think about these things and ask yourself these basic questions. Why do you want to play in this setting? How do you get your players or the campaign itself to feel like that specific setting? Where would you inject your game in that setting? Who would you play and who wouldn't you play? What's the same and what is different from the canon of this setting and your own game? What gaming system would you use? And how to tweak the tributes and alerts and spoilers so they would be an asset rather than a hindrance?
0: Excellent! That was this episode. Now, if you want to continue on listening to us, we are now doing a thing called Taking the Load Off, in which we talk a bit about our gaming lives and what we are planning to do in the future of next week and what we did in the past of last week. If that was enough for you, goodbye, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye! Let us discuss the things. So, Uri, um, I want to start with something that is important. Venture forth. My card game, storytelling card game, in which you play the entire campaign in a couple of hours, is now available through drive through cards. Ooh. Yes, it is for the 15 of dollars, your best monies, uh, if, you, if you want to, to have it. And it looks awesome. My wife, for example, suggests you buy it as a Christmas gift for someone hmm, you should probably try. Um, I
1: don't know, around $15 seems a bit much. Really? Maybe you mm. can do some kind of a discount for listeners of the podcast. Well, seems only fair.
0: You know what they say about dwarves, we are really cheap. So, yes, I really, all of you dwarves get a discount. Oh, are we the dwarves? Anyway, you, get, you dwarves. get discounts either way. Uh, check the show notes for a link, because unfortunately, uh, drive through cards doesn't give you a code. Well, it gives you a code, but it's kind of difficult to put it in. Uh, so just check the link for the code, and you'll get it through the link. There will be a code. And you can buy the game for $3 less, which is, I think, about 20% off. So that's uh go for it, guys. Uh, you can also see us playing it and, and see for yourself if this is the type of game that you are interested in. That's it. That was my, my week, basically. It took a lot of work.
1: I am unbiased in any way mm-hmm. regarding your card game, mm-hmm, but I can say it is awesome. Yes. I have played it, I have purchased it, <laughs> and it is amazing. Thank you. Yes, good. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to recommend everyone to go and see the new Star Wars movie. It is a movie and a fun one. Also, if you are unfamiliar with it, I would highly recommend the webcomic Darts and Droids. Mm-hmm. There will be a link in the show notes, or simply go to Google and write "Darts and Droid." It's a, c- a web comic which retell the whole of Star Wars. Yes, the whole of it, prequels, everything. Yep. As if this is the narration of a gaming group playing this. Yes. So whenever there's something illogical or really silly that the character does, they find a gaming or an out of game, off play a reason for it and it is hilariously funny Yes, and I I, I fell in love with it the minute the the player who's playing R2-D2 said yeah my character can't really walk and doesn't have hands and can't speak and can't do anything because I maxed out all my other abilities (laughs) which I have players who've done that so I, I felt an instant bond between me and that comics. Yes,
0: it was also one of the inspirations for uh, Crystal Heart. Ooh,
1: I did not know that. Yes, it
0: is. Yes, yes. Excellent, guys. If you want to hear more of this, then just keep up, subscribe in any of your ways that you subscribe with. I don't know. It's it's your, I assume, computer or mobile device you hear us with. Um, or follow us at Dwarf Podcast at Twitter and the Facebooks for any news and interesting things that we uh, seem to find. Throughout yeah, and the weeks.
1: If you really want to help us, the best way would be to share in the knowledge of this podcast with your friends, yes. gaming group, and fellow gamers. Every week passing we see people from more and more interesting and exotic places starting to listen to on the shoulders of dwarf, which is heartwarming. Just this week we had our first listen from Bolivia. I I'm not sure where, where that technically is, but it's it's a country, presumably that's great so share with people tell your fellow gamers that we exist and hopefully their game will improve that's it I think it is time for us to say goodbye how about we do it okay <gasps> well
0: let's Let out! Out! on the shoulder of dwarves is shared under creative commons attribution non-commercial form the intro and outro are taken from silly fun by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3. Find us at DwarfCast.net and follow us on Twitter or Facebook.